Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that takes you inside NRG Stadium, home of the Houston Texans and the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. Happy Rodeo season, everyone. Mark Vandermeer with you tonight for Texans All Access. Yes, we are across the hall from the locker room. And yes, players still work out in this building during the rodeo. John Harris with me tonight. And the sights, the sounds, the smells of the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo here in the building. Johnny, are you pumped? Yeah, can you smell the rodeos cooking? <laughs> well, cooking and you know, there's and serving other up things, yeah, other yeah. things going on. Yeah. It's look, it's a great aroma. Thing. Is that what that that's it, uh, odor sometimes? But whatever, it's all good. You know what it is? You get every used to smell. It. It's the rodeo, and it means mm-hmm. the rodeo's here. It's so good for the economy. It's great for the kids. The scholarships. It's great for Houston. It is a wonderful thing. It's the. It's one of the first things I tell people yes. about that makes Houston unique. This amazing three weeks here in this building, mm-hmm. all the great shows. And I look, I love the rodeo itself. I don't know about you, but I like watching all the events. Sometimes I root for the animals. Yes. Yeah. I no, I do. I like I like my daughter. Look, if a I'm not one of those people. But look, if a calf makes a great move to yeah. get away from I'm thinking that's a good move. That was a good cut, you know. Got away. Didn't get roped. My daughter is the same. I took her to the rodeo last year. We were up in the uh, president's suite because you know all the employees get an opportunity to go, and so it was Casey Musgraves' night, and so she wanted to go, and so we went. I saw that one; it was fantastic. And as the rodeo started, she looked at me. She's like, "Oh no!" And I said, "Well, look, just let's enjoy <laughs> it. It's fun. We're not hurting these animals. Get hurt. The animals are not going to get hurt. They love the animals, etc." But every time that every time that a calf would get away in calf roping, she would stand up and start cheering. And she's very emotive. Oh, that's cute. She's very emotive. So she was, you know, cheering very loudly for things. So, you know, I I connect rodeo time with free agency. It's like the timing oh, yeah. of things. Oh yeah. Like I, we start uh-huh. the rodeo, we're at the combine. And at the end of it, we have free agency, and then free agency like in the middle, and then that moves on to, okay, when the rodeo is about to leave, that means that we're about to get the schedule. So I, that's how I kind of associate the rodeo back to the Texans and the NFL. Little chunk of the offseason. Are you ready, Johnny, As uh, in the first segment for a change tonight? Because tonight we also have Mike Keith. We're going to hear from him, boys of the Tennessee Titans, what's going on in Nashville. And uh, with heavy hearts and uh, concern, we pay tribute to those suffering and struggling as a result of the tornadoes there. And also Frank Frangi, the voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're going to hear from him as well tonight. So a little AFC South flavor coming up in the show. But, Johnny, let's start here with more likely to happen. Yes. Do it. More likely to happen. All right, first one. More likely to happen in the second round. A great, potentially great pass rusher is available for the Texans. Maybe great's too strong a word. But a good pass rushing prospect yep. or a good cornerback prospect more likely to be there with a Texans pick who's going to be able to contribute faster sooner better I like this cornerback class more than I like the edge rushing class okay so I think that they'll have an opportunity I think for the Texans defense I do think there are some four three defensive ends in this that are and and look the three four four three the Texans are very multiple in the way they do things so nothing is out of the realm of possibility but I just think body types and what they've brought in in the past, I don't know that I love the the edge rushers in this class. There are a few that I like, and they would have to convert being 4-3 guys and then being 3-4 outside linebackers. A guy like Daryl Taylor from Tennessee, who Chris Rump obviously knows. 
But that's a guy that I think is going to be a whale of a pass rusher. But his health is a big question mark. Um, the medicals, what did the medicals say? You know, he didn't, he didn't work out, uh, was not able to practice. He didn't work at the combine, wasn't able to practice at Senior Bowl. And it, it slowed him down at the end of his senior year. So I'm curious as to how that really slows him down. But I don't know that I love a bunch of the other edge rushing pass rush threats. But I do like a lot of the second-round corners. And I think after Jeffrey Okuda, it becomes – there's Jeffrey Okuda from Ohio State, number one. I think he's clearly the best. You have C.J. Henderson from Florida. I think he's probably the next best. Ran 4'3", at 204 pounds. He's really smoking up the track. Not in love with him as a player, but as an athlete, there's potential. But I think those are guys that Texas aren't going to get. But then you start moving down the list, and you have guys like Cameron Danzler from Mississippi State. You have Jeff Gladney from TCU. There's some guys that really sort of fit the build. I think you're going to push down into that second round area. Now, do they get all the way to where the Texans are 57? Mm. That's going to be a tough question. But I still think there will be more opportunities for corners than there will be for edge rushers. Okay, next one. More likely to happen. More likely to be adopted by the NFL. Which XFL rule? Play clock, 25 seconds. Or kickoff rule with the way they do it with the guys a few yards apart way downfield. Ooh, I like both of them. I like both of them. I, I, I like the, the, I think they call it the comeback rules under two minutes mm-hmm. where the 25-second clock will run for five seconds, but the game clock stays. Right. Well, I like that. That's team opportunity to get back in a game. But then again, NFL teams with that amount of time, oh, boy, it could be, be a long couple of minutes, to be honest. But I, I like Coming that. back. I think the kickoff rule is the one we're going to get. I think the NFL just kept they've, – they've toyed around with various rules and different things for safety, and they weren't really able to get it right. And as soon as I saw the XFL one, I went, that's it. That, that's the one. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's the one. So I think the kickoff rule will be the one that gets changed probably the earliest. I think the 40-second play clock is a little bit more ingrained. And because the kickoff has changed over the years, I think it would be easier to change that one. So I think the one that will get adopted will end up being that kickoff rule. I, I, I like it. I like that part. It's a little funky when you see the kicker by himself. Mm-hmm. And it changes a little bit of the strategy. But I think as far as safety goes yep. and still having a viable offensive defensive play which essentially is what it's become i think that's probably the way you should go i think it's going to be that but the play clock they change the play clock oh boy that'd be fun that would be really fun how tempted are you by a 25 second play clock i mean this is a monumental change if you do it i love it i love i love you want to talk about playing fast now you got to get that next play in so fast no doubt this is going to put the onus on the quarterbacks to call some things right all right I like this idea. I really do. I, do. I like it I don't too. think coaches will like it. Coaches like to have control, right. and you will have less control over what happens on the field if you're doing this. Does this result in too many false starts? Look, we get false starts now in this Damn. league, you know? 40 seconds. Yeah, it's an I eternity think, compared to 25. Sometimes I think the false starts would be helped by playing a little bit faster. Oh, yeah. So really? I, think, I think that actually would help. And you know, think about it. If you cut the play clock from 40 to 25, I mean, how many more plays in a game do you get? Ooh. I mean, what has is, what is Bill told us over the years? How many – Coach O'Brien has told us what? He tries to get to 90 plays? He wants to get to 90 plays or something of that magnitude? No, I, I don't I, know if 90 is a lot. I thought it was like 75, 75 80. 80. Offensively, I, yes. I know he, he wants to get a ton. I mean, it's not – you know, Mike Leach wants to get 100 in, but that, yeah. that's a little different story. But 25 seconds is fast now because then you'd have to consider, okay, how long – 
do we leave the coach comp system on? Because oh, yeah. now it's 40. You can take it all the way down to 15. 15. So, you got to go to 10 now. Yeah, you'd have to go to 10. Give me at least 15 And you don't seconds. have a lot of time to do a little, like, motion, and you line up over there, and you come back from the I mean, geez, you don't you have gotta, a lot of time you for play. pre-snap communication and reads. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. If anything's going to be adopted, it's the kickoff rule uh, because that that 25-second play clock, I mean, you need, like, another offseason for that. Yeah. Next More one. More likely to happen. More likely to be his destination. We'll go back to the Tom Brady question. Ooh. New England or anywhere else, the field versus the Patriots. I'm trying to think. We might have done this one a few weeks ago, but it's worth bringing up again because well, things change, I've, opinions change. I think I've asked you uh, – multiple times about this one and where it goes and it sounds like oh. and i i sort of figured this is going to be the case i i didn't think the colts would pay a ton of money for a quarterback i think they'll pay less for rivers mm-hmm. and because rivers has it makes sense to pay first of all it makes sense to pay less for rivers but on top of the fact that if you pay less for rivers and you get rivers he at least has this uh, he has experience with nick sirianni offense coordinator and frank reich the head coach so that just makes more sense now is brady better would i want brady leading my team probably right but that's one reason as opposed to about four or five working in the favor of that so i never really thought the colts were kind of in that mix everybody wants to throw them in there but I, I just don't see it but the more i the more i read of people that are closer to the situation mm-hmm. the more i think He's not coming back to New England. But I have said all along, and I'm going to stay with this, I think he goes back to New England. I, <laughs> I do. I think he goes back to New England because I A lot think of people think just that, that he's going to flirt, he's going to date, right. but he's going to end up going back to the wife. Right, exactly. He's going to order off the New England menu. He's going to look at all these yeah. other menus and go, ooh, I like the barbecue shrimp. Uh, I like the charcoal oysters, but yeah. you know what? The clam chowder back in Boston, that's the best. I'm going with that. So I think that's where he's going to end up. Now I've talked, I've talked to people. I talked to Sal. We talked to John Murphy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, about that that situation, and they were sort of mixed. Um, John, I believe, thought he was leaving. Sal, or uh, that he was staying. Sal said, "No, no, no, he's leaving." It's kind of over the map. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, as crazy as it sounds, Brady think likes this. I think he likes it, but when it comes down to it, and he thinks. What's the best for me? Where can I win again and do it at my age? Yeah. I think this is the best one for me staying in New England. So ultimately, I think it's going to be New England. I'm starting to think so, too. I was told the TB12 brand, they have retail mm-hmm. at the stadium. Yes. They have retail downtown Boston. Downtown Boston not doing as well as it possibly could. Mm-hmm. If he leaves New England... How likely is it to do well at that point? Right. How much is that a factor for him? Does he even right. care? Or is this like, hey, I got to get the most I can out of my right. playing career and worry about the rest of it later? Or does it help his brand nationally if he goes somewhere else, particularly Vegas? Who knows? We'll find out soon enough. Let me give you a quickie here, though. More likely to happen. More likely to have a better season. Philip Rivers in Indy, if he ends up there, or Brady Anywhere else. Better season. I mean, Rivers is going to put up numbers if he's in Indy. That's what I'm talking about. He's going to put up numbers. Quarterback season. He's going to put up some serious numbers in Indy. They've got to get him another they've got to give him another receiver, which I hope they don't do. But Paris Campbell's coming back. T.Y. Hilton's going to be back. You add another weapon to that. The running game is going to be a good one. So that's going to take some of the pressure off him. It's going to make play action a monster to try and stop. Mm-hmm. Still got Jack Doyle at tight end. 
So I think Rivers is going to put up a pretty good number. To me, Brady might be conditional on where he goes. I think Oakland's got Oakland's got some weapons, but you add a young receiver with him mm-hmm. that he sort of takes under his wing. But the thing about going to Oakland is, is he just going to run his offense? Well, then everybody's got to learn his offense. Or is he going to run their offense? Well, he's got to learn that offense. So I, I'm not – I just think Brady's going to go back to New England. I think if he does go back to New England, I think they'll make a play for Hunter Henry at tight end. Mm. They'll try and try and bring a you know, a tight end weapon in. I think they'll try and bring a wide receiver free agent in. And I think they'll I think they'll rock with that. But I think numbers wise, I think Rivers will put up better numbers if he goes to Indy than wherever Tom Brady goes. Okay. Good. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. I've got one more for you, and it's an entertainment one. Oh, are okay. you ready for this? Of course. More likely to happen. More likely to be a better prequel. Better call Saul or whatever they do with the Sopranos. Oh. Because I think better call Saul, they've done a good job. Mm-hmm. It's funny because the Vander kids saw a snippet of it last night. Oh, yeah. He came into the room. It just it wasn't a bad, inappropriate right, part, yeah, yeah. you know, because the show, I mean, it's dark, but right, right. he just saw like a couple of minutes. He was asking me about what kind of show it was, and I explained to him Breaking Bad and what yeah. happened there, and this is right. the prequel. And how they introduce characters that are in Breaking Bad. And I think they've done a really good job. I think it's been dragged out. There's no question. I think this whole thing that we've seen could have been done in three seasons or maybe two very easily. But I'm okay. I understand it's a slow-moving kind of thing. I'm curious to see what they do with The Sopranos. Here's the one reason why I I would say Better Call Saul. Because at least with Better Call Saul, you had the characters that you you recognize like there's Bob Odenkirk mm-hmm. there's uh Gustavo Fring who is uh Giancarlo Esposito like you see Same those actors characters. yes anything you do with the Sopranos now Tony Soprano uh James Gandolfini is not going to be on it or in his it. kid so yeah it's gonna be his kid but it's like yeah eh, I know it's, it's just not the same not, just not very the same. good point by you and so when on the prequels you bring in those one of those characters and one of my favorite characters from Breaking Bad was reintroduced last night. Mm-hmm. I got really excited. Okay. I got really excited. Spoiler, so that's fun. Don't do it. Don't do it. All right, Johnny. Thanks a lot. You got it, Mark. All right, coming up, we've got AFC South Talk. Mike Keith, the voice of the Tennessee Titans. Are they ready for another run to the AFC Championship game? What's it going to take? And what's it going to take to stop them? We'll discuss with Mike next on Texans All Access. Great to have you listening to Texans Radio tonight. Mark Vandermeer with you in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio. A week ago, we were at the Combine. Among the people we caught up with, Mike Keith, the voice of the Tennessee Titans, of course, in Nashville in the last 24 hours. Our thoughts and prayers are with everyone suffering and struggling as a result of the huge tornado damage, and we're really praying for you there in Nashville. This interview occurred before that, so we hear from Mike about the Titans run and what's to come in 2020 in the AFC South and start out with his level of surprise, shock, reaction to the Titans' run. I mean, I think you're always surprised when you make it that far, but the way the team started to play in December and the and the ball club had a setback against the Texans, had the game where they, you know, they had to play at the goal line, the Ferkser play, which was the 14-point swing. But, you know, you lose the ball game, but you look at the stats and you say, well, the offense is still percolating. Well, then we go out the next week, and we, we know the Saints game doesn't matter. 
So we sit five starters, and Henry's one of them, and and have a chance to beat the Saints straight up in that ball game. And you're like, okay, well, this is good. And then you got to win the last one, and you you know right. you, you find a way to win the last one, even though you should win it mm-hmm. because you're playing your starters, and the Texans are sitting a bunch of guys. But it was like the the ball club went into the playoffs playing its best football, and as we looked at the New England matchup, Mark, the funny thing is you're you're sitting here thinking, you know, we may be better than the Patriots at this moment. Not that the Patriots aren't great, but right. I'm talking about at, at this moment, January 4th, we might have a better team because they've had injuries and mm-hmm. things have happened. But can you actually go up there and win? Right. I, I mean, that that's the, the real yeah. question. And then you go up and just beat them straight up, and then you go to Baltimore and beat them straight up. And you go to Kansas City, and I mean, you know what you're in for. You, I mean, the same thing that you guys went through, you can't let Mahomes get going. Yep. And we're in a position, like Houston was, where we're in control of the game, and then he starts. And when that happens, you're, you're just not going to beat him. So I, I think overall, pleased, feeling like the team lived up to the ball club that we thought we would see in August. Finally, I mean, it took four months. It took a change in quarterbacks. But um, I, I think that was the ball club we thought we would see all along. Mike, what did you see from Mike Vrabel? We had the opportunity to obviously get to know him in Houston before he came there. And how much a part was he of the run and then obviously winning that game up in New England? Massive. Because his whole thing – and the funny thing is the Titans never went into the whole – we're the underdogs. Right, thing. right. Never interested in that. Didn't buy into the we're disrespected. Right. They the the Titans because of Rabel thought if we go do what we do, we'll win the ball game. Right. Not that we not that we disrespect the Patriots or the Ravens or the Chiefs or anybody else, but we believe in what we're doing. We've been working on it. We've been constantly going back through it, trying to improve on who we are. And if we go do what we do, we'll have a chance to win. Philosophically, I mean, he knows what he wants. The team knows what he wants. And he's hired a staff to, to kind of teach. That's the, that's the big thing is they're about teaching and improving all the time. I think that hiring Dean Pease was a huge move for him, knowing that, hey, he's got that. Just like Bill O'Brien hiring Romeo Cornell, let exactly. him just coach my defense. I don't have to worry about that. This guy's done it so many times. And, and Dean had – Dean took what Mike wanted into the room with Mike, without Mike having to tell him what he wanted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because basically, Dean taught Mike right. Right. what yeah. Mike would want out of a defense yeah. overall. And so, yeah, that was, that was huge. To get two years out of Dean, Mark, you're dead on. That was 100% huge for Mike Vrabel. What about Arthur Smith as a game planner and the job he's done? I mean, this seems to have come from out of nowhere from outsiders looking in. See, that's a, it's a great story. So Arthur Smith comes in, and he's Fred Smith's son. Yeah. And I think I may have told you guys this story last year. So he's Fred Smith's son from, from FedEx. And, you know, so everybody said, oh, we've hired Fred Smith's kid. <laughs> well, it turns out, this is like when he's 28 years old. Well, it turns out he's a great football coach. I mean, he is really something else. So they bring him in with Malarkey, I mean, with uh, Munchak. And so then Wizenhunt retains him, 
And then Malarkey retains him and Vrabel retains him because he's just such a good football coach. When Matt LaFleur goes to Green Bay, we think Matt's gonna take gonna take Ooh. Arthur with him. Yeah. And our thought internally was Arthur is the guy that makes sense to hire as the offensive coordinator. He's been there nine years and he is he's a brain. The players love him. He's been so involved in both the run scheme and the pass scheme. Big deal. But because of who his dad is, yeah. you're wondering, does he want this hassle? Right. Would he rather just be a position coach, or does he want to be a coordinator, maybe on track to be a head coach? He's a low-key personality. He's a terrible self-promoter. <laughs> I mean, he's the, he's the worst uh, because he's such a nice guy. He won't He won't promote himself at all. Then Mike hires him, and we're all excited internally because we understand what he's all about. And to see this develop and then everybody discover who he is, the local media guys didn't know he was Fred Smith's son. Oh, wow. They never knew. That. Well, because he was this quiet, yeah, yeah. tight end coach who never publicized himself. He never jumped up and down on the practice field. He, he had never really done interviews. Right. Not because he wouldn't, but just because that's not who he was. So it was really a great story. And to see the whole country sort of discover him in this way, I mean, he's the 10-year overnight success story. <laughs> yeah. That, he was, and it's funny because at the beginning of the year, I just remember seeing some stuff coming out of Nashville about him because the offense wasn't quite clicking. It wasn't. But then Ryan goes in, and then the offense sort of takes off. And the thing was, they were doing the same things. They weren't doing anything different. But Ryan comes in, they just ran at a better clip. It seemed like when they were doing that. So let's get to that question, Mike, because I'm sure. sure that is the $64 million question in Nashville. Who is the quarterback in 2020 and beyond for the Titans? Well, I mean, you've, you've hit the thing. Right. Because offensively, we were doing good things. And even though I'm no coach, you could see on the tape, guys are open, things yeah. are happening. And Mariota just wasn't playing well. Right. I, that's what it comes down to. He was just not playing well. And when they made the, the swap, uh, Tannehill played great. The, and the mm-hmm. number one thing he did is he got rid of the ball. Yeah, yeah. He, the, you know, the ball's coming out. So uh, you would think that Tannehill comes back. But the Titans have several decisions at this moment. Yes. Which all sort of impact everything. And we also have this – massive quarterback merry-go-round that's out there. The Texans are one of only about five teams not involved in it somehow. <laughs> For once. Yeah. I know, right? Thankfully. Um, yeah, our guy's right there on the poster. We're that's, good. That's exactly We're right. Good. You guys are good. Um, you would think Tannehill's back. Yeah. But here's what we don't know. What does he want? Right. What do the Titans want to pay? Yeah. What, are, what, are the, what do they say internally when they grade the tape which none of us, right. I mean, and you guys know this in your role with the Texans, we never know. Right. We right. never truly know how deep it all goes yep. in that way. The other decision that we've got to make is about the running back. Of course. And so you've got dollar mm-hmm. decisions that you have to make there. We're also at an interesting moment where John Robinson is entering his fifth year. So all the players he first drafted, the first set of free agents that he signed, all those people are up right now. Wow. So he's having to do the kind of what Kansas City had to do last offseason is this is the first reshuffle. Right. Uh, 
I mean, the Titans have had four straight winning seasons, so they they've got a nice base. Everything. This is not a redo, but there's going to be some things right. th- that have to happen, and the quarterback will be directly. It if it were just a quarterback decision, it would be one thing, but this is a a decision about a lot of things that the quarterback impacts. So to that end, as it pertains to Derrick Henry at running back, because there are a lot of people that would say, and nobody would tell you the quarterback is less important than running back. Mm -hmm. But in Tennessee's case, you maybe could say that Derrick Henry was the reason that they did things in the playoffs. Now, Ryan made some key throws. Sure. So how complicated does that make it that you've got this running back who became maybe the face of the offense – but the NFL doesn't pay running backs. How complicated does it become it's for Derek Henry? It's all complicated because I can give you four different scenarios on what you do with the running back. Right? Do you sign him? Do you franchise him? Do you draft one? Do you? I mean, I don't know. And and you're obviously if you sign him, you're allotting a great deal more money to right. the running back position than I mean. I think he made like five five his first four years in the league all, total all told yeah, total. Yeah. So. All of a sudden, you're saying, we're going to take a chunk of money that we aren't used to spending at that spot, which means that chunk of money is coming out of somewhere else. Right. Always right. is. Always is. Right. So those are the decisions that they have to make. But Henry is so different. He's such a different right. player. Dave McGinnis, who does color commentary on our broadcast, made the point, and I, and I keep repeating his point because I think it's so dead on. The college game is not producing Derrick Henry running backs no, anymore. No. They're just not. I mean, when they we, go to tight end. Right. Or outside linebacker. Yeah, exactly. When yeah. Mark and I started, you know, you've got the Jamal Lewis's coming out and all these, the, the Tyrone Wheatley's and all, and, and the bus, and you got all right. these big backs. College, everybody coming out of college now is 5'10, 205. Yeah. So when you have a back like this, especially considering that a lot of the linebackers in the league are 220 pounds, yeah. yep. what do you do with him? Right, right. He's a, suddenly, he's a matchup problem in an unanticipated way. And I, when Coach Mack said that, I thought, you know, that's a great point. Yeah. You've got something that really is, is different, but can you afford to allot the dollars? The yeah. other question is, can you afford not to allot the dollars? And that's, and that's the hard part is – how do you value that unique ability? And that, to me, I think is probably the hardest part of it. All right, I'll take it another way too, John. How long do you think it lasts? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, he's a running back, right? Right. There is a half-life here. And so, he's big and takes does take some hits. He takes hits. He delivers hits, but he takes hits. But do you think – I mean, if you think you can get three more good years or four more good years mm-hmm. – then it's certainly worth it. But these are the decisions I'm glad the GM has to make and I don't (laughs) because, I mean, it's a crapshoot. I don't think you should re-sign him, and I think you you should sign John here as the running back for the next one. I need him on the sideline and on these shows. So uh, Mike Keith joining us, voice of the Tennessee Titans, the division. Yeah. The Colts, see, to me, I mean, the Titans had the year they had, but the Colts are still out there laying in the weeds. Quarterback situation. What do you think here if they – Address that in a certain way, and you know like what I Phillip mean. Like Philip Rivers? Like Rivers <laughs> or Bray or whoever I else. Think, I mean, I've thought all along. I, my wife is from up this way, so okay. I've got family up this way, and everybody up here thinks it's Rivers. Okay, because Frank Reich and the history. And, of, yeah, and, and 
and uh, Sirianni and the whole yeah. tie-in with all of that, mm-hmm. you know, that's what that's what the talk is here. And to me, it makes tons of sense because if I'm him, that offensive line, yep. the running game they have, yep. the tight end, they have nice receivers. They're better on defense than what they get credit for being. You come in here. I mean, it's it's not like you, it's not like you don't have to do anything as the quarterback, <laughs> but if you run it well in terms of running the offense well, you can win a championship here. They they are a championship caliber team in a lot of parts if they have everything together. They didn't have a great year last year. Right. But they certainly are a good football team. And no doubt. Th- and that's the and that's the hard part about the NFL is you very rarely are you a bad team. Maybe you have a bad year or you don't have as good a year as what you want, but that's a nice ball coach. That's a good coach. That's a good – I mean, that's a good – they have good coordinators, good home field advantage. I mean, that's a good ball club. Mike, right, so last year you guys, every time that y'all drafted a player, I would look at Mark and I just would kind of give him that face like, God, I can't believe – like every guy they drafted, I loved Jeffrey Simmons, yeah. you knew he wasn't going to play right away, but I just knew. I mean, he was number three on my Harris yep. 100, and you get him at 19. A.J. Brown in the second round. I remember looking at Mark going, oh, th- things have changed with A.J. Brown. Even Amani Hooker. Yeah. I know a lot of decisions we talked about will impact what they do in the draft, but is there anything in particular where you feel like the Titans will address in the draft and what they're looking at the combine this week? <laughs> You know, corner is a spot that I think everybody's going to be interested in. And the great news for teams like the Titans at corner is it's a great corner draft. It is a great corner draft. Um, The running back thing is interesting, too. Because it's a good running back draft, Especially a good day two running back draft where you would save a lot of bucks if you choose to go there. Amazingly, too, it's a great wide receiver draft. For the first time in like a hundred years, yeah. we don't desperately need one. Yeah, now you don't. Well, we, I mean, we could use another one, right? Yep. Um, but you're good at that position. We're now. Okay. AJ was... Yeah, we're okay. Uh, we, you know, we've got good player. AJ's good player, and Corey Davis done a nice job for us. And Adam Humphreys uh, to be able to get him back. He was playing nice football for us before he got hurt. Uh, so, I, you know, that's a that's a good spot. I think it. John, to answer your question, what the strengths of the draft are match up very well for John Robinson if he doesn't want to spend free agent dollars. Now, here's the thing. He's – John Robinson ain't scared, okay? (laughs) Yeah. That's how I put – John Robinson's from West Tennessee, so the proper way to say it is John Robinson ain't scared. Right. (laughs) And he's going to do some stuff. It's not going to be all about re-signing the Titans' free agents. He's going to sign some of them, right. but he's going to let some other ones walk yeah. because he's going to be convinced he can go get better players somewhere else trying to go to that, to that yeah. next level. Right. But I tell you what's fascinating. It's fascinating to be here and to have the Titans be such a storyline like they are with everybody wondering what they're going to do at quarterback and running back in particular. Yeah. I was getting coffee at 6.30 this morning. And somebody from NFL Network's like, so what do you think they're going to do? <laughs> Truth is, I have no idea what they're going to yeah. do. I'm scared to ask. Yeah. But it's a story. You're right. I'm just glad we're, you know, we're talking football and we yeah. got to play into January a little bit because that's when you, when you don't get to do it for a long time, mm-hmm. it it is. I mean, this was really fun. Sure. 
to get to do it again after 17 years because you you appreciate it while it's happening right. early on but you sure do appreciate it even more now. Yeah. Well, I'd like to appreciate it yeah. once. <laughs> you used the word again. We'd yeah. like to use yeah. just like Well, once. I mean, you guys are – I mean, <laughs> listen, the, here's the thing. Is when you're in the mix and when you're knocking on the door, eventually yeah. it happens. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, We're there. And that's the whole key to this. If you take out the Patriots, then for all the rest of us who are trying to – trying to knock on the door and bang on it, it happens at some point. What they've done has been so remarkable. Yeah. And and people even forget. The fun never stops here on Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you tonight. And let's revisit a conversation we had at the Combine with Frank Frangi, voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we started this one out with complimenting Frank on his London scouting report, telling us that it would take so long to get anywhere in town to go 10 miles could take an hour by vehicle. Frank's a good guy. Let's check in. Thank you guys for having me on, and I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, during the game, you all had a better time than we did, So, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm glad you had a good time at that. Um, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's two games. It's two yep. games this year, and it's, a, it's an unusual thing. Uh, they'll play back-to-back games. This is the only year now for sure we know that's going to happen. It's not like this is a forever thing. It could become a forever thing, I mm-hmm. suppose. But for right now, it's, it's, it's a two-time. Two time. So we'll go on a Thursday, I would assume. Because um, that's what we've always done, like you right. guys did. Play the game. Stay probably somewhere different. Uh, stay kind of almost out in the s- suburbs a little bit, which is what we've done in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Practice all week. Come back to Wembley and play a second game. Now, none of that's been determined, but that's my guess. But it's it's a it's an unusual deal. Two games, back to back games in London. I think you should stay where the Texans stayed and it was yeah. You can practice in front of the castle. Yeah, yeah. See there, see there. Uh, that's that's you a just good. Don't get it, that every year. I think yeah. it was a good spot that's, for the team. It was yeah. it was out of town, yeah. not by only maybe twenty minutes in, right. in the United States, but maybe forty to an hour in London. The yeah. way the roads are, Frank. Uh, it was probably a few weeks back when Shad and Mark Lamping met with Jacksonville media right. and kind of gave a State of the Union on the Jaguars, and that's when it was announced with the two games in London. There was talk about Lot J, which to people in Jacksonville they know, uh, and when I brought it up with you earlier, you knew exactly what I was talking about. How did that go over with callers and listeners for yeah. your show? How's it gone over in Jacksonville that – what they talked about that day. Uh, a lot of things. The official, what they call the state of the Jaguars, comes up in April, so there'll, there'll be more clarity yeah. there, John. But Lot J is a big development, and, and I'll give you kind of the overview. We go to all these cities, and now, you know, the uh, Energy Stadium's a little, it's not in the middle of town like Minute right. is, but for most of these towns we all go to, the football stadium's in the middle of town. And there's these thriving downtowns, and they're going crazy, and and bars and restaurants and thriving nightlife and business and residents. Well, Jacksonville doesn't have that. And, John, you know. Nobody right. knows it better than you from exactly. your, t- your time in Jacksonville. So we don't have that. So Shad's vision is build that. And we're calling it Lot J because that's where the big parking lot is, where the media parks. But they want to turn that into a thriving entertainment, retail, business, residential district that's going to be right on the river. It's going to be magnificent. And he wants to build that. Now, the city's going to have to put up $230 million. That's their part of it. Mm-hmm. He'll put up similar dollars. And it's a three-year deal, and, and the Jags want that built. When that is built, the, the belief is, from what, from what Shad and Mark have told the public, is there will be enough of a revenue stream that maybe the London game isn't necessary. Right now, the Jags make twice as much playing in London as they do playing at home. Wow. 15% of their overall uh, revenue comes from London. Wow. That's why they do it. Wow. And so the hope is, and look, Jacksonville's got two Fortune 500 companies. Boston's got 18. New York's got 24. Mm-hmm. We have two. 
And I think and that's the business model. Whether people like that or not, to your first question, it didn't go over very well. Sure. Nobody wants to lose a second home game to London. There's all the talk that the team's going to London. Well, the team's never moving to London. No team can play in London. Now, teams can move. At some point, Jacksonville's going to have to build, a, is going to renovate its stadium. Uh, you, the, way, the, the way the world works in the stadium business is 27 of the NFL teams have relatively new, beautiful stadiums. 27. Okay, they do. Um, three didn't do it. St. Louis, Oakland, and San Diego, teams left. Yep. It's not rocket science. The three that didn't do it, the teams left. Now Buffalo and Jacksonville are next on the clock. Yep. And they're both going to – if Buffalo doesn't do it, that team's going to Toronto. And if Jacksonville doesn't do it, they're in some trouble. So I think all of this is about more revenue, having enough money uh, to make the team um, make sense and be viable in Jacksonville. Let me ask you this. As crazy as this might sound, could a team play in London a half schedule? Or could a team play – Two games, come back, two games, and maybe actually live in the States, but go over there for four two-week trips. I'm just throwing it out there, Frank. We've asked the question so many times. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, that's the question. I'm in sports radio, as John knows, and you know, Mark. In addition to working for the team, I do both. So we've asked that with our sports radio hat on. I've asked that question a thousand times. Not just to Jacksonville people. It's just not viable. It's a hard trip. You guys took it. Yep. It's a hard trip. It's long. It's that would be two long trips. Uh, it's a hard. It's hard. It would be hard to be competitive. It would yeah. be hard not for the team that comes over there once, for the team that has to go four times. It would be hard to be competitive. You have to spend a lot of your time when you when you want to try a guy out. Yeah. And your team's over there. Yeah. Some guys don't even have passports. It's a right. it's the money that would be involved. Mm. It, so I don't think you could do it. Could a team play six and two on a regular basis? Probably, but I don't think. I hope that doesn't happen. My hope is that the Lot J works, which John asked about, mm-hmm. um, and one day there's going to be a new stadium or there's not going to be a team there. That's, again, that's, that's every – in 20 years, NRG Stadium is going to be obsolete, and if Houston doesn't build a new one, team's going to leave. That's just the way teams do it. So, And hopefully that doesn't happen for any of our teams, but hopefully the day will come when they play all eight in Jacksonville. I think that's what everybody hopes. Frank, quarterback situation, Nick comes in, pay him a lot of money. Obviously, because you have to pay him money in the cap situation you have, some players are jettisoned. We benefit from that with Deshaun Gibson. Then Gardner takes over after Nick gets hurt in that opener. Has some moments. He had one against us. He almost pulled it out, but yeah. he has way well, at Denver. He's just amazing. Mitch Eumania sort of takes over. In London, it sort of died out because Nick was coming back. Then Mitch comes back at the end, leads him to some wins. He's a six-round pick. You got two picks in the first round. How does the quarterback situation look for Jacksonville? Yeah, nobody really – John, it's, it's, that's the question. That's, that is the question in Jacksonville that everyone's trying to figure out. Um, in my mind – in my mind, and I may be the only guy that thinks this, I think he's a pretty good quarterback room. I think Gardner, yeah. he threw 21 touchdowns and six picks in his – is a rookie. 21 yeah. and six as a rookie is one of the best rookie numbers in the history of the league. Uh, he's, got a, he's got a charisma to him. Uh, he won six games. People say, well, which teams did he beat? I'll tell you, he beat, he beat six NFL teams. Okay, yeah. that's what he yeah. beat. And so, Came so, within a hair of yeah. beating the Texans and the he, first and, time. And he really too. did. If they get the two-point conversion, they win yeah. the game. So, so the point is, he's got some charisma. Yeah. As for Nick – Nick played two and a half games, and all of a sudden people decided he wasn't very good. Well, that's not true either. Mm-hmm. Now, so, so I think they're both pretty good players. I, that's just, again, I'm a biased guy, but I think it's a pretty good quarterback room. The question becomes they're different. And 15 years ago, 10 years ago, Gardner Minshew wouldn't be in the league. Right. And mm-hmm. 15 years ago, Deshaun Watson would be an okay player in the league. Now the games change and the fields spread, and, and you have to have a little bit of mobility. And, and so you don't have to have the rifle arm. 
Deshaun has that. I'm not sure if Gardner does. Yeah. So so I think the game's changed. I think it'll be a competition. You're right about the mania. Fans are in love with Gardner Minshew, fan, and, and, and Gardner's earned that. So so I think as far as the mania goes, um, yeah, I think the mania is real. Uh, I think they're both pretty good quarterbacks. You asked me to – I honestly don't know who the quarterback will be. Most people tell you Minshew. I don't know. So Frank Frangie with us, voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and hosts a talk show in Jacksonville. So the majority of fans, you feel like Minshew. I think so. Okay. I think it's what the fans want, yes. Just want to be clear on that. All right, division. What are you thinking here, Frank, with the other three? I think it's the best division in football. I think it is. I used to think the, I used to think the NFC South was the best. I now think this one's better. I think mm-hmm. it's the best division in football. I think – the te- and I'm not saying this because I'm on with you guys. We just had this talk we did on, on my air. I think the I think the Texans are really well positioned. I think I've always said this. College, you know why Alabama wins? Quarterback play and dudes on defense. You know why LSU won the national title? Quarterback play and dudes on defense. I think the Houston Texans have quarterback play and dudes on defense. Now, one of those dudes are getting older, yep. you know. In, in here, but I, so I think the Texans are well positioned. I think the Titans. I think this guy, Mike Vrabel, might be pretty good. He just scares me a little bit. They might have found something in Vrabel. I just think there's a something. Yep. There's an it factor to him, and I think if he's good, they have a chance to be pretty good. The Colts are the X factor. Um, they've got a great offensive line. Uh, if they get Rivers, we'll see. You know, right? And and our and, and honestly, our team. Used to, I think our team could be another four, have another four or five win season. I also think our team could win ten or eleven games. I think they got to get Ngakwe done. Josh Allen's gonna be a star now. Yeah. I mean, they they he is gonna they found some, they they fell into it maybe a little bit. That yep. he's still there at seven. I think it's the best division in football, Mark. I think the Texans are the team to beat in the division, but I think the Titans are right there. The Colts don't go away for very long, and I think we may be okay. So I uh, I love the division. I really do. That's our friend Frank Frangie, voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Been a fun show tonight, visiting with a couple of AFC South voices, and again thoughts and prayers to everyone in Nashville on the tornado damage and. The deaths suffered as a result of that just terrible stuff. We'll be back tomorrow, 6 o'clock.